We're doing a series called Revisit, and we are revisiting our theme for 2022, which the Lord put on our hearts, uh, which is turn us again. And so we'll see in Psalm 80 verse 3, it says, turn us again, O God, and cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. Now, Oswald Chambers, who was a, a great theologian and an excellent communicator and author, made this statement many, many years ago. He said, can you and I face the things as they really are in the light of who we are in Jesus? Or do the things we are facing destroy our trust in God and cause us to panic? It's a good question. So are we allowing Christ to give us the strength we need? Or are we allowing our circumstance to steal our strength? Because you see, that's what restoration is. And, and the, the phrase, turn us again, speaks about restoration. It speaks about a refreshing. It speaks about a repairing that takes place in our lives because we're positioned in Christ. How many you know you are a work in progress? You may not be where you should be, but thank God you're not where you used to be. And so we've been looking at a, a, a scripture that God put on our hearts for this time, uh, especially for the month of June being a month of prayer. Here in 1 Chronicles 4, verses 9 and 10, you will know it as the Jabez prayer. And we've been looking at a few things starting from last week. I can't recap, but we're going to pick up from where we left off last week. Now, it says in verse 9, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Please underline that. And his, bro- and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. And God granted him what he requested. Isn't that awesome? Here in the middle of a genealogy of chapter 4, The Holy Spirit interrupts this chapter and he introduces us to a man by the name of Jabez. We don't know anything more about him, but he was a man that was honorable. And why was he honorable? Because he trusted God. He he chose to believe God despite what he had been named. And so we see here some of the reasons why Jabez was more honorable if we just look at the context of what the story is telling us. Number one, we said last week, What made him more honorable was that he prayed. Number two, not just that he prayed, it was how he prayed. And it wasn't just how he prayed, it's what he prayed. And we've been looking at those three areas in the light of our new covenant with Jesus Christ. And last week we dug into the first part when we spoke about the fact that he prayed. We said that in the new covenant we pray from a place of authority and faith. Right, and we studied authority and faith. Today, number two, the second thing we realize about our relationship with God when it comes to prayer is we need to realize this morning that we pray from a place of obedience and knowledge. We pray from a place of obedience and knowledge. And that is really important because you cannot pray effectively if you don't know the word of God because the word of God is the will of God. Amen? And you see, when you know the will of God, then you can be obedient to what the will of God is, and so your prayer becomes dynamic and powerful. You see, it's not that Jabez just prayed. The reality is Jabez was carrying something inside of him that was different 
to what other people saw. When his mom saw him, when his mom uh, gave birth to him, all she experienced was pain to the point that she named him, you will be painful. And you know, sometimes when we, when we experience things in our lives, when we go through things in our lives and it's painful, that becomes our label. That becomes what the world names us. And so we can feel like uh, Colleen shared today, Zacchaeus, he felt short. He felt like he didn't have the grounding to have Jesus in his life. But Jesus made it very clear. What is inside you is more important than what others have named you. And so the question we've got to ask ourselves today, what are you carrying in your heart? What are you carrying in your heart that God has deposited there? Because you are a champion. You're a mighty man and woman of valor. And God has got great things that he's stored up in your heart. And when you connect with that, you connect with your purpose. You don't have to look at what has happened on the outside. You see, Adam carried two very powerful things that the devil hates. And that's why he always attacks them in you and I. The two things that Adam carried when he was put in the Garden of Eden was, number one, he had a relationship with God, and he carried God's image. And Satan was out to destroy that, and he's out to destroy it in you and I as well. We'll talk about that a bit more in depth next week. In other words, because he had relationship, he didn't have religion. Adam had relationship. And I want you to know, Satan always attacks the grace of God. Because if he can steal the grace of God from your life, he steals the essence of your relationship. Because your relationship is not based on what you do, it's based on who he is. You see, God doesn't move in your life based on your faithfulness. He moves in your life based on his faithfulness. Because it says in Hebrews, even when you're not faithful, he remains faithful. And I want to say to you today, over the 34 years I've been in ministry, over the 40 years I've been serving God, every time that I've taken a misstep, every time that I've wanted to quit, God has chased me down and said, Larry, you might be finished, but I'm not. Amen? And it's at that point of surrender that the greatest change takes place. Number two, the second thing that Adam was carrying, he was carrying God's authority. God actually said to him, as I rule and reign in the heavens, so you will rule and reign on the earth. And so Satan wants to attack that authority in our lives because he wants to undermine our ability to be the God carriers, the carriers of God's image, and to step into that authority. And we spoke a little bit more in depth about that last week. Number three about the fact that we pray. In the New Testament, we pray from a place of worship, and security. So let me repeat it. Number one, new covenant prayers is from a place of authority and faith. Number two, it's from a place of obedience and knowledge. And number three, it's from a place of worship and security. Do you realize today as a child of God, you are empowered to worship God in spirit and in truth? It's not just a work you do, it's who you are. And so what's powerful about that is when you start to realize that you have access to God, unreserved access to his presence, and you base your life on that, you realize that it's the truth that you are a son and a daughter of the Most High God. And you see, when you come and you worship God because you're his son, what you're doing is you're establishing your security is not in who you are, what you do, it's in whose you are and who you belong to. 
And so when you come from a place of worship before God, it establishes security in your life. So it doesn't matter what happens on the outside. It's what's going on on the inside that secures you and makes you strong. And when you understand that, like Jabez, you can say, God, they might call me pain. They might call me uh, short. They might call me insignificant. But I know you call me fantastic. I am fearfully and wonderfully made in your sight. Amen. And so that becomes the basis of our strength and our prayer. Turn through to Acts chapter 10. And let me show you something quite interesting and exciting. Uh, we see here in verse 1, it says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the, what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man, one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision. Say clearly. He saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And so he said to him, Your prayers and your arms have come before me, up before, sorry, up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. The incredible thing about the story is Cornelius had no basis for faith. He was not a Jew. He was not in the covenant of God. But the Bible says he loved God. He prayed to God often and he was generous. And so God sends an angel. And actually at this moment, God was speaking to Peter about the Gentiles coming into the covenant of, of salvation. And God used this man Cornelius to confirm to Peter that that was actually what God wanted. It was a terrifying and an incredible moment all in one. But I want you to notice something. The angel of the Lord did not say to Cornelius, listen, you've been standing singing songs to me all day and it's come before a memorial to God. He said what? You've prayed and you've been giving. And that's come before me as a memorial. Now, I'm not knocking singing. I'm trying to make the point. Worship isn't just what you do on a Sunday morning. Worship is what you live every day. The outworking of that, the celebration of that is we come on a Sunday and we unite together in worship and we experience God's corporate anointing. But the thing that made an impact that positioned this man for action was the reality that he was a man of prayer and he was a man of action. He didn't just pray, he practiced what he prayed. He was a generous man and he gave alms. So you could say it like this, prayer always positions you for action. Prayer positions you and I to receive things from God. And so we could go on to the next point now. Not only did Jabez pray, it wasn't that he prayed, it was how he prayed. Let's take a moment and think about how did Jabez pray that at the end of his prayer it says God granted him his request. Well, number one, in the new covenant we need to pray fervently. Jabez prayed fervently, and you can hear in the cry of his voice why he was more honorable, because he was crying out to God fervently. And so in James 5, verse 16 and 17, it says this, Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. This word fervent in the Greek is defined not just as effective, but energetic, 
efficient and powerful. In other words, when he prayed, he prayed the word. He prayed the will of God, and he prayed by the unction of the Holy Spirit. This came out of his heart spontaneously because he was like, I'm not going to accept what people in the world say. I'm going to call on the God of Israel. I'm going to call on the God of my salvation, and I'm going to trust him. Look at the person next to you and say, be fervent when you pray. You see, the reason that, that James put in the story, the prayer of Elijah, is he says this, Elijah was just a man like us. He had a nature like you and me. He was up one day, down another day. He went through the ups and downs of life. But how many you know when he came to prayer, he was fervent because it wasn't based on who he was, it was based on who God is. God hears our prayers, amen. And the Bible says in one pity, his ears are open to the prayers of of the righteous. Number two, when he prayed, he wasn't just fervent, but I want you to know Jabez prayed with sincerity. And that is so important today. You know, in Matthew 6 verse 7, it says, and when you pray, do not use vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Church, I want you to know today, God's not looking at your oratory Ability when it comes to prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, we come before Thee. Thou art awesome, O God. Lord Jesus, we come before You. And you pray this long prayer. God's not hearing you because of your long prayer. God's not hearing you because you pray some certain prayer. God hears you because of the sincerity and the genuineness of your heart. Amen. And so you and I need to learn to come today and just be ourselves before God. Yes, we're going to pray fervently. Yes, we're going to pray with passion and we're going to pray with energy, but we're going to pray sincerely. We're going to pray from our hearts. What are you trusting God for today? What are you believing God for this week? What do you need God to do in your life? What is it that you want to pray for today for someone else? Let it be from the sincerity of your heart. What Jesus was saying here is that it's not the many words we use. It's the sincerity of our heart that captures God's attention. And when you pray from your heart with sincerity, you'll begin to see things changing in your life and changing in the lives of those around you. And then number three, the third thing that we see about uh, how he prayed is we see this, that Jabez was specific. As a matter of fact, many people, if they look at the prayer of Jabez, would say that was a very selfish prayer because it was all about him. And how many you know there's so much religious teaching out there, you know? Prayer mustn't be about yourself. No, absolutely. It mustn't just be about yourself, but God is interested in you. God is interested in who you're becoming. God is interested in the challenges you're facing. Can you say amen? And so when you make prayer specific, I want you to know it's honoring to God and it's pleasing to Him. As a matter of fact, do you remember last year when we first did our theme for 2022, we spoke about blind Bartimaeus. Do you remember that story? And it, and it was quite amazing that when Jesus... When they brought Bartimaeus to Jesus, who was blind, it was quite obvious what his need was. Jesus still said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And it's a picture for you and I that when we pray, we mustn't just pray randomly, we must pray specifically. What is it that you're trusting God for? What is it that you want God God to do in your life today? 
Be specific. I like to say it like this. Just like Bartimaeus, your need is your qualification for a miracle. And whatever your need is today, it is never insignificant to God. It is never too small and it's never too big. I want you to know there's no mountain he can't move. Amen? And there's no situation today that he cannot intervene in your life and begin to help you and strengthen you. James 1 verse 6 says this, But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. The next verse says, let that man not think that he shall receive anything from God. And so sometimes the hindrance in our lives in in getting our prayers answered and trusting God for our prayers to be answered is not in that our prayers insincere. It's not in that we don't believe in, in the fact that we don't pray to God. It's in that we allow doubt to come in and steal what we're trusting God for. And so James addresses this. He says, listen, when you're asking God for something, ask in faith. What does that mean? You're specific. Lord, I'm facing this situation. This is what I'm trusting you for. You know, I meet a lot of people and they kind of say, well, you know, if it's God, it'll happen. Not always. Because there's a devil out there who doesn't want you to experience God. And how many know you've got your own will that sometimes is in contradiction to what God wants for you? So you've got to know and have a sensing of what it is God wants. You've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. And you know, when you're sincere and genuine, I've learned this. When you ask God for something and you're specific, you leave it there and you let God deal with it. And he will then work on that situation. Can you say amen? And he might guide you and say, no, listen, that's not for now. It's for later. He might say, listen, I've got something different for you or something better for you. But you will get an answer. So let's take a look at this word quickly and just have a a deeper understanding so that we recognize the importance of not allowing doubt to rob us of God's greater blessings. The word doubt here in the New King James is actually the word waver. It doesn't use the word doubt, it uses the word waver. And the word waver simply means this. If you have a look at it in the Greek, it means to separate thoroughly. It means to separate. Or it means to withdraw from or oppose. And then the final meaning is this, is to discriminate In other words, to decide against, to hesitate, or to stagger. So what James was trying to say to us is when you engage in prayer, asking God for something, and you ask in faith, you ask specific, he's saying this, do not let your thoughts, do not let your reasoning separate you from that prayer. Do not let it separate you from your faith, from the hope that you have that God is going to come through for you. Do not discriminate and let hesitation or a staggering rob you of what you believe in God for. And you know what happens sometimes? The thing that causes us to stagger is the time it takes sometimes for things to manifest. How many you know that's true? You know, if we ask God and we get it straight away, it's easy because we've received it. But it's when we've asked for God for something and we don't get it that our faith begins to be tested. Such a good example is, is Pastor Joshua and Tara. They, they've known for many years that eventually God would uh, give them the grace and the ability and, and the calling. They felt the calling to take over from, from their dad. But how many you know it didn't happen when they thought it would? Actually, it didn't happen when any of us thought it would. And eventually when we got to the place to think, okay, maybe it won't happen, we were actually ready for it to happen. 
because our faith had been tested. But you know what? One thing I watched about Pastor Joshua, he never staggered in doubt. He eventually resigned himself to say, God, when your timing is right, when you know the, the realm of the Spirit is ready, when you know everything aligns the way you want it to, I'll be able to step into what it is you've called me to do. And so he was in a position of faith and waiting, but he didn't allow doubt to rob him of what he was trusting God for. Look at the person next to you and say, don't let doubt rob you of your blessings. Just because you haven't seen it yet does not mean you won't see it. Amen? Keep trusting God. And then finally this morning, it's not just that he prayed. It's not how he prayed. It's what he prayed. And that's really important today for you and I to understand. You see, when you know who you are, when you know that you're the son or the daughter of God, you become a person of prayer. You become a person who reverence God and, and your desire is to want to please God. You might not always get it right, but that should be your motive and your heart. So what happens is when you become a person of prayer, you'll start to pray things from within your heart. You'll start praying because you're grounded in grace and that will give you the confidence to know, listen, that God hears you and that he's a big God and he's able to do Whatever you think is impossible is exactly what he's able to do and even beyond that. And so Jabez wasn't limited by what he saw in the natural. He wasn't limited by what was happening in the natural. He stood fast and he said, my God is able to turn my situation around. And that's why the statement is made that he was more honorable. So let's look at what he prayed this morning. Number one, he said, Lord, bless me. Lord, bless me. And it says here that what he was saying there, he was asking God for provision. He was asking God to, to, to bless him in a way that he'd have the resources and the means to fulfill the things that God had put in his heart. And I want you to know today, this is such a good connection, and I've been thinking about it this week, is that Jabez prayed a New Testament prayer. Because you'll see that in Ephesians chapter 1, it says God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. Amen? That is a New Testament prayer. Number two, he prayed this. He said, Lord, enlarge my territory. Enlarge my territory. And that was a prayer asking God not just for increase, but asking God for new opportunities and success. New opportunities and success. And 2 Corinthians 8 says, Though he was rich, he became poor. So you through his poverty might become rich. Let's not forget that part of the covenant that God has made with us in the New Testament is that our spiritual blessing and richness will flow over to the natural. Amen? Here's the thing. You and I don't have to chase things. We just need to chase God. And he'll add the things. Can you say amen? In Matthew 6 verse 33, it says this, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things will be added. God taught me such a, a helpful thing many years ago. He said, Larry, when you want something, you've got to ask yourself this. Are you chasing it or am I adding it? You see, if I'm chasing it, I maybe need to let it go. 
and say, God, I don't have to go after that. If that's something you want me to have, you will bring it into my life. You will add it to me. Can you say amen? And so when that starts to happen, what happens is you focus on living for God, serving God, being the best you you can be, be busy ministering to people, doing what you're called to do. And you know what? God will make sure that he gives you the desires of your heart. He'll add those things to your life. And so that's another New Testament prayer Pray. Then number three, he prayed this. He said, be with me. Be with me. In other words, he asked God for his hand upon his life, which speaks about his favor. But he also asked for his presence, which speaks about protection. How many know that's a New Testament prayer? It's a New Testament prayer inheritance right for you and I. Because when Jesus was releasing the disciples and preparing them for ministry, not only did he bequeath his peace to, peace to him, to them, he said this, and I will send the Holy Spirit and he will be with you and he will never leave you nor forsake you. But he will be with you to lead you and to guide you. So I want you to know today we have the most precious treasured gift living inside of us as the children of God. We have the presence of the Holy Spirit every day to lead us and guide us into truth. And if we'll take time to just be sensitive to the leadings and the promptings of the Holy Spirit, you know what will happen? We'll more and more be positioned to be in the right place at the right time doing the right things. Can you say amen? And God will make sure that we're where we need to be. And then finally, he prayed this prayer, which for me is probably the climax of his prayer, but also the extending of his prayer from being selfish to being outward towards others. He said this, keep me from evil so I don't cause harm. So we see the motive of of his heart wasn't just for himself to be blessed. He was saying, bless me so that I can be a blessing And the thing which my mom said would be my name and who I am, which is to cause pain, that, Lord, you would bless me, keep me from evil so that I will not cause pain. And so he turned his whole prayer, although it was for him, his heart was, Lord, do this for me so that I can be that to others. And so you see our prayers always become out-focused because when God blesses you, he has someone else in mind. You see, when God saved me and he delivered me and he brought me into his kingdom, he wasn't just doing it for me. He knew all the other people that were on the other side of my obedience that he was going to use to touch. Like my mom and dad. I had the privilege of bringing my mom and dad back into fellowship. As a result, all my brothers came back into fellowship. As a result, all my uncles came. They were all born again, but none of them were serving God. And when I got saved, God used me to bring all of them back into fellowship. So God wasn't just blessing me for me. There was someone on the other side of my obedience that God wanted to bless. And so you've got to ask yourself, who's on the other side of your obedience today? Who's on the other side of God blessing you that he wants to use you to be a blessing to? So that brings me to this today. God is not offended when you ask him for anything, whether it's big or whether it's small. Amen. Whether it's a huge matter that you need him to deliver you from or whether it's a little thing you need help with, 
God is never offended when we ask him for things. Can you say amen? Many people say, no, you know, don't bother God. No, bother God. He wants to be part of your life. Don't be limited. I want to encourage you today. Be honorable and ask God to work in your life. Can you say amen? Ask for what's in your heart. So this is what I want to say to you. I said last week, we can't just generically take the Jabez prayer and pray it. But now we can. Because we understand that it's actually a New Testament prayer that God wants all of us to pray. And when you take ownership of it and you make it your own, you can begin to pray it with passion and with favor and with strength. Now, I want to share with you just two stories that really encouraged me in my life around the subject of God blessing you, of God being with you, of God increasing and enlarging your territory. And it goes around two men of God that uh, I've been connected to for many years that had an impact on my life in my early ministry. The first one is Dr. Kenneth Hagen, who is the founder of Raymond Ministries Worldwide. He was cured. He was a Baptist preacher who had an incurable heart disease, and God healed him from his deathbed. At a very young age. And from that day, he said, God, I will serve you. I'll be a preacher and I'll preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And later on, he founded Raymond. But I want to tell you this story about his life. Many years ago, he had been in ministry for a few years. He had a couple of staff members. His ministry was doing really well. He was trusting God and he was traveling around America preaching. God was using them. And they went into a time of recession in America. And what happened is he was going before the Lord about meeting the needs of the ministry. And God said to him, you will not lack for a thing. I will meet every need, but you need to lay off two or three of your staff members. And God was, and uh, Hagen was shocked. He's like, no, no, God, I'm a man of faith. I'm going to trust God to pay the salaries. I'm going to trust God. And God said, you can do that. But if you do that, you're not going to come through this time. And so God spoke to him. And, and I'm saying this to you as an example of faith. We always think faith is to increase. But God said to Kenneth Hagen, listen, you're going to have to lay off three staff members. You're going to have to streamline and trim back so you can get through this recession. I will meet every need. And then on the other side, you'll begin to flourish again. So Kenneth Hagen, Kenneth Hagen went to the Lord and he said, Lord, that's fine. If that's what you're telling me to do, I'll be obedient. I'll step out in faith. But I want you to find all three of those people jobs. Because I'm not laying them off if they can't find work. And so can you see how his faith was negotiating with God? He was like, Lord, we can do that, but then I want you to do this. And so the picture for you and I here is this. Faith is not always about getting more. Faith is about listening to what God's telling you to do and responding in obedience. Amen? And so sometimes there's a season where God will speak to you and say, listen, I'm not giving you an increase. I'm not going to send money to you. I want you to be more disciplined with the money you have. I don't know, we don't like to hear that as faith people. Sometimes God says, you know what, I'm not going to give you a miracle in your relationship. I want you to actually sit down and work it out yourself. And I'll give you the wisdom and the strength to forgive each other and put your past behind you and look forward to what's ahead of you. Hello, church. We're very quiet here this morning. All right, the second story is the opposite. It's, and it's by a, a, a gentleman by the name of Ed Cole. You might not or might remember him. Uh, God used him in the men's ministry many, many years ago. Very powerful man of God. He lost everything uh, at the age, I think it was, I don't, might not have the ages, I think he was 68. 
Literally, he lost everything. And he was walking along the beach, and he decided he was going to go on a 40-day fast because he wasn't going to let this moment where he had lost everything define who he was and what he was as a man of God. And he fasted for 40 days, and God said, I want you to go into the ministry, and I want you to start a men's ministry. And so that following day, he started, and God began to bless him. And he became a very successful man. At the age of 80, he was still traveling around the world ministering and starting men's ministries all around the world. And many of his books uh, are still available today. But the story I want to tell you is this. As his ministry had taken off again, he had had to move into a one-bedroom apartment. He had three, two kids. or I think they were, uh, she was pregnant with the third kid. They were living in a one-bedroom apartment because obviously they were rebuilding their lives. And so they got to the place where they just couldn't live in this small place anymore. Um, and they didn't really have the money for a bigger place. Anyway, they started looking around and they thought, okay, you know, we can afford X amount, so maybe a two-bedroom. Anyway, God took him to a three-bedroom house with a swimming pool in a nice area. And it was way above, beyond what he could ever afford. And he went back to his wife and said, I love this home. It's perfect. We can grow into it, but we can't afford it. We'll just have to leave it. And the Holy Spirit said to him, I want you to rent that house. And he was like, can't afford it. What are we going to do? Anyway, he was walking on the beach one day, and the Holy Spirit said to him, Ed, if I told you to move into a smaller apartment, would you do it? And he said, absolutely, Lord. Whatever you want me to, I'll do it. Whatever you say. If you want me to scale back more, I'll do it. He said, okay, well, I'm asking you to move into the three-bedroom house. Will you do that for me? And so the point I'm making is it's not about where you are, what you're going through. It's about your relationship with Jesus. And what is he saying to you for this season? If he's saying to you, step out and trust me, he'll meet your need. If he's saying to you for the moment, pull back and just regroup, when you respond in faith, when you pray from a place of faith, God will begin to answer. God will begin to move because God is interested in your life. Can you say amen? And I want to encourage everyone here today. You can step out and trust Jesus because he has something powerful in store for you. Be honorable today. Ask the Lord to increase you. Ask the Lord, Lord to enlarge his favor upon your life. Ask God to give you wisdom to recognize the abilities and the opportunities for growth that you're currently experiencing and take them to the next level. I want to encourage you today. God is not finished with us. Can you say amen? Our best days are ahead. Have a look with me as we close today at, at Ephesians 3 and verse 20. In the Passion Translation, it says this. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all of this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Can you say amen? So right now, every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. Maybe you're here today, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Maybe you're sitting out a day, you once served God, but you know you're just not in the place you want to be. And maybe you want to just rededicate your life in this moment. Then uh, I want to say to you right now, I would love nothing more than to pray with you today before you leave here. To know today that your life is right with God. And I want you to know, you can step into that moment and you'd be amazed at how God will begin to work in your life in a new way 
dimension because he loves you this morning. In a moment, we're going to receive the table of communion. But before we do that, I would love to pray with you today and for you. So if that's you, if that's tugging on your heart right now, just lift your hand wherever you are so that I know I need to say a prayer with you and for you. If you're online today and you want to receive Christ into your heart as your Lord and Savior, it would be our greatest privilege to pray that prayer with you right now. And you can just respond by saying to yourself, I'm going to pray this prayer. They're going to pray right now. Is there someone in the auditorium that wants to pray that prayer with me today? All right, we're going to pray with the folk online and let's just agree together. I see that hand right up front here. Thank you so much. Once you've raised your hand, you can put it down. And then I'm going to pray with you and I'm going to pray for you in this moment. Let's pray together. Church, would we all pray out loud and let's just be sincere this morning as we pray that prayer. Say, Father God, I believe today that you are the Son of God, that you died for my sin and that you were raised from the dead by the Father in heaven so that I could be saved. I receive Jesus Christ right now as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me today. I'm just going to ask you to remain in that place of prayer for a moment. If you raised your hand, would you just quietly stand where you are and maybe just go with us to a place of prayer? If you'd be willing to do that, we'd like to uh, just pray with you and give you a Bible. And if you're online, if you'd send us an email or if you'd send us a WhatsApp, we'd love to know who you are. We'd love to connect with you and send you a Bible. We'd love to encourage you as you grow in your faith with God. And so right now, Father, I just pray for every person who's made that decision. Right now, I pray that you would bless them and keep them and prosper them, that you'd cause your face to shine upon them and that you'd be good to them. In Jesus' name, and everyone agreed, said, amen. Well, this morning, if you'd like to take your communion in your hands, we're going to receive the table of the Lord. And it's always a powerful moment as we put our faith in the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We can receive our healing, our breakthrough, and whatever we need in this moment. Just like Jabez prayed, we can pray. Now, if you just touch the little lip, you'll see there's a, a clear section there. If you just pull that back first, that will expose the communion bread. Once you've done that, if you just pop the little lip down, all the way back and then all the way back, you'll hear it click or pop and just bend it once or twice and you'll see that you'll then be able to peel that back and you'll be able to have the juice available. And I'll give you a second just to do that. If you're online with us today, if you want to just get a little bit of bread or water, whatever you have at your disposal, we'd love for you to partake of the communion of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's such a special sacrament and moment of recognizing and thanking him for his covenant with us. Today we put our faith in his broken body for our healing, for our breakthrough, for our deliverance, and for our victory in life. Let's partake of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in this moment, we put our faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ as we partake of this juice. We recognize the forgiveness of sins that God has given us. And we put our faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ who ratified our new covenant, which is a better covenant based on better promises. Let's drink together as we partake of the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much. You can just pop those. The stewards will have a box there or there's a dustbin outside if you'll just pop them in as you leave today. You can stand. Thank you so much for being in our first service today. 
I trust that you were blessed by the ministry of the word and the amazing worship. Our stewards will be at the gates. If you have an offering you want to sow, if you want to bring your tithes, you're welcome to do that. And don't forget we have our little bottles for our car guard fund. Please don't give your tips directly to the car guards. Put them in our car guard fund box. We uh, supply food for them every month. We give them a stipend and we're busy discipling them and building their lives together. God bless you. We love you. We're thinking of you. And we hope to see you on Wednesday for our worship night. God bless you.